Hey, everybody, what's up? Welcome in to Best in the Board here at The Athletic, presented by BetMGM. Today, as we are recording, Wednesday, March 23rd, we are looking ahead 48 hours to Friday's Sweet 16 games on this episode of Best on the Board. So what does that mean? That means St. Peter's, Purdue, Providence, Kansas, North Carolina, UCLA, and Iowa State, Miami. Michael Beller and Austin Mock here with you to break it all down. Austin, welcome in, my friend. Not quite the slate that we're getting on Thursday, but hey, Sweet 16 is Sweet 16. Yeah, right. right. That's 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 where we are. These are still, you know, I, I, I said it in my one article on The Athletic this week that, you know, Thursday was the, like, Title contender. It had the haymakers, the 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 real, really good games. This day, Friday has a little bit more of the storylines. You know, you got the true Cinderella in St. Peter's. You can even say like half Cinderellas in Miami and in sure. Iowa State. You know, sure. obviously there's still power. You know, the big one of the big six conferences. But to like a week ago, we didn't think either of these teams <laughs> no, had a shot at making definitely <laughs> Iowa State. Definitely making the Sweet right. 16, and one of them is going to be in the Elite Eight. So a little bit more of a storyline uh, day on Friday than than Thursday with the you know the high powered, fantastic matchups that we're getting. Mm-hmm. So should be good. It should be a lot of fun. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we get some good games. <clears throat> yeah, I, ho- I hope we do too. Let's jump in. Let's start breaking these games down. The first game chronologically that's going to tip is that true Cinderella St. Peter's going up against Purdue, a team that has to feel great about its chances to get to the Final Four with the way that that region has fallen. Purdue 12.5-point favorites right now on BetMGM, and I believe, I want to say that was the opener. If that wasn't the opener, it quickly got to 12.5, and And so this line's been sitting there for a couple of days now. 135.5, the total on this one. It is a big number. How do you look at this matchup? Yeah, this is tough. I, I, I bet St. Peter's at plus 12.5. If you've been following me for the last week, I bet them in the first round. Actually, if you followed me two weeks ago, I bet them to win uh, the conference tournament, which they, they, they did, obviously. Um, and so we're on a little bit of a St. Peter's uh, yeah. heater here. Uh, they've been doing well <laughs> for us. This is a tough matchup, but I kind of find it similarly to the Kentucky matchup. I know people are saying like Zach Eady is, is going to be too much. And like, you know, we were saying the same thing about Oscar Shibway. And the interesting thing about that Kentucky game is St. Peter's was like content with Shibway kind of getting whatever he wanted in a way. Like, right. you know, it's one of those things where like, guys, we're not stopping him. We just kind of, kind of hope that he doesn't like go completely off. But I mean, he was still like really good. You know, he had 30 points. He played 43 of the 45 minutes. The game went to overtime. Uh, you know, at 16 rebounds, like is Zach Eady and Trevion Williams, they don't really play together. Basically, can they get the same kind of output that Shibway did and then kind of shut down the perimeter like like they did against Kentucky? I think that's really the key here um, <clears throat> for for St. Peter's from a matchup standpoint. I think it, ki- it like I said, kind of similar in the sense that Purdue's not going to turn you over. St. Peter's will have, you know, that is one of their issues on offense is they do turn the ball over a lot. That kind of works in their favor. You're not giving free possessions away. You can't really afford that here. Uh, and then the other matchup that's interesting will be the offensive rebounding because St. Peter's does rebound well for not exactly being, you know, super tall. And obviously, you know, Purdue is one of the best defensive rebounding teams in the country because they have, you know, just having someone who's 7'4 is going to do that for you. But I make this game under 10. Um, I, I, I can't pass it up. I know people are saying that this Purdue line should be similar to what the Kentucky line is. 
Mm-hmm. I don't think that was true. I think like a week ago we would have said Kentucky is better than Purdue. Maybe that has changed a little bit. I don't know, but uh, I thought that line was too high, and, and, and I think this one is as well. So big thing's going to be the officiating with how Zach Eady is uh, officiated in this one. So I think Peter St. Peter's will have a good uh, <clears throat> good game plan here. Shaheen Holloway and you know Purdue's offense or Purdue's defense can get a little leaky at times. Mm-hmm. Maybe uh, St. Peter's can. Keep this Cinderella alive, uh, dream alive, but I only need him to lose by twelve or less. <laughs> the numbers so the numbers so tricky on this one. Um, I, I, I think all of the very few of us think St. Peter's are going to pull the upset here. We didn't think they were going to pull the upset against Kentucky, and they did. Just because we don't think they will doesn't mean they can't. Uh, but we're talking about the number, and the number becomes very tricky. I actually lean Purdue in this one, and I'll go back to what you said about Oscar Sheepway and the way St. Peter's handled him. You're right; they basically just said we can't stop Sheepway. It's a fo- it's a fool's errand for us to even try. Let's just let him get his and clamp down and everything else. And so if they do something similar with the Edie and Travion Williams pairing, I think that they can, that Edie and Travion Williams can, can go to work against this team. Where this changes for me versus what we saw at a St. Peter's against Purdue is that it'll be very uncharacteristic if Purdue has the same 4 of 15 night from the floor, uh, from three-pointer, excuse me, that Kentucky did. Uh, Purdue has uh, better shooters that they surround their big men with. They have uh, more dangerous, frankly, more confident guys. Purdue lo- or Kentucky looked rattled as that game got into the second half. They have a more dynamic, singular player in Jaden Ivey than anything that Kentucky is able to offer. I just think that Purdue is going to be able to fill in around their big guy in a way that is way more effective than what we saw out of Kentucky. Now, having said that, 12 and a half is still a very big number. Kentucky still could have won that game if they shot better free throws, but yep. they weren't going to win it by 13 points. Uh, that became very clear in that game. You uh, had a great cap on that, and that was a game that was never going to be covered by Kentucky. And so Purdue can easily do better around their big men than what Kentucky did and still if they could do better, they can win comfortably, and they could not cover 12 and a half. It's a huge number to have to get over. And so that's what gives me pause here. I think Purdue can, if it was, you said you put this a little bit under 10. If this is a nine and a half, if this is a 10 and a half point spread, I feel a lot better about Purdue. Yeah. But I still lean in their direction because of what they can do around their big men. I go back to what they did against Yale, a game that they kept Yale at arm's length. And just as fairly, right, a week, a week ago, we probably all say Kentucky's a better team than Purdue. I think a week ago, we just size up the team sheets and we say Yale's a better team than St. Peter's. And so I look at everything that these teams have done over this last week and the way this matchup uh, sizes up. And I just think that Purdue's going to be able to do the things that Kentucky wasn't able to do. And for that reason, I lean in their direction here. Yeah, the three-point shooting is going to be – I mean, that's we can say that about every game that we talk about. Right. Um, it, it's going to be a fascinating matchup because St. Peter's is really good at running off – running you off the three-point line. Um, they kind of force you into taking shots you don't want to take in a way. Um, they, they're, they're not tall, but they're very long um, and they're very deep, which I think helps them in the situation. Like, they didn't really care. Like, the first half, and Defo didn't play, like, at all in the first half against Kentucky. Right. You know, they're yeah. by far their best defender. Um, so, but they have, you know, the, like, they're six, you know, they got a 6'10 coming in, 6'8. They got a bunch of 6'7s. It seems like they play, like, I would like to see the wingspans <laughs> because it feels like they play longer um, than, than, than what their height suggests. So, yeah, the three-point line, if, if Purdue's hitting threes, and getting to the three point uh, free throw mm. line, it, this is going to be a struggle to stay within the number. I would say, but if they can, they can limit the threes and 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 find a way 
to kind of like basically you just kind of hope like, all right, we just clean up the glass if Edie misses. Like that's really what it comes to and Williams. But I, it'll be interesting. I've seen people say like, oh, just play Williams and Edie together. I, I don't think that works for Purdue. Like I, that's not their style. They've never. And you're not changing your stripes at this. It's it's, it's the Sweet Sixteen. Right. It's March. <laughs> yeah. It's March 25th when this game. You're not changing your stripes now. And like you're not that. changing your stripes against St. Peter's. Like just start the game. Like <laughs> right? no offense. Yeah. I, I love yeah. the St. Peter's yeah. team. Sure. But you yeah, know, save that for Gonzaga in the final four. Right. 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 Change it up <laughs> if you're you're down ten. You know, in the first ten minutes against uh, a, a really someone who like when you're an underdog, not as a twelve and yeah. a half point uh, favorite here. So yeah, if the, the the how this game's officiated, I think will be a big uh, issue for St. Peter's if if, mm-hmm. if it's a quick whistle I think they're going to struggle um but it should be fascinating I'm, I'm interested St. Peter's runs a lot of great sets and Purdue's defense can be you know a little leaky at times so yep. the craziest thing that I love about uh, St. Peter's is they get a lot of layups from from cuts within their offensive sets can they get that uh, against this uh Purdue Purdue defense to kind of keep all you have to do is keep pace. Like, just stay within right. the number. The game got loose against Kentucky. They called timeout. They reset with, like, four minutes left. Uh, I just think 12 and a half, a little bit too much here. It's blowout potential, like, for sure. Like that's what happens when you're betting on a, a, a pretty big number here. But uh, I think this is too much. Uh, markets hasn't quite caught up to the to the Peacocks yet. <clears throat> Friday is storyline day. We got a storyline on best on the board. A little disagreement in our first game between St. <laughs> Peter's and Purdue. How about Providence and Kansas next on the docket? Kansas seven and a half point favorites, one forty one and a half the total in this game. I really want to like Kansas. Uh, if I were in a in a pool, for example, where I had to pick every game against the spread, I would probably think I pick Kansas without uh, thinking twice about it. But again, it's just it's a touch too much for me to really want to get behind it from a betting perspective. But I just think that everything that they do should have them winning this game relatively comfortably. Yeah, that, that's that's kind of where I'm at. I I, I want to. I'm close to, to having an edge on on Kansas. I'd probably need probably need this to come down to seven. I don't really. I just don't see it coming. You know, it just yeah. it's too like why why would this number come down? Like who's rushing to bet? Providence who if they already haven't I don't you know maybe something Mm -hmm. happens late but usually that goes towards the favorite um but yeah this is just a horrible matchup for Providence um Providence defense is the weaker part of their team Kansas's offense is fantastic definitely with uh Remy Martin kind of turning into like this like supercharged like superhero at this point like it's (laughs) like he's not even like someone that gets talked about that much and now all of a sudden it's like wow Uh well he's kind of playing great this team can easily win a national title now but providence doesn't turn you over kansas does have a little bit of turnover issues like so there's another thing that's benefiting kansas here um their providence is not strong on the uh, defensive glass kansas crashes the offensive glass so there's, there's just a lot of things that don't go their way basically providence just gets you to not shoot well and hope that's that's basically their they, they have good three-point defense good two-point defense that's what they're gonna hope have to hope here is kansas just doesn't make shots but I just it's this just seems like out of their league seven could get loose here, you know, with fouls late. Uh, I make this closer to nine. So I lean Kansas. I'm there with you. But at the at the current price, I'm just not quite uh, able to to bet it. Let's all remember that everyone was ready as ready as could be two weeks ago, especially after this team just gets blown out by Creighton in the Big East tournament to just auto fade Providence. And then the, the, the pod 
set up really nicely for them against a South Dakota State team that you know just doesn't didn't have a, a lot of the hallmarks of a classic thirteen over four team. Iowa goes down to Richmond; they get to play a twelve to get to this point. Like it's been a 12. very yeah, week twelve like exactly week 12. a twelve a twelve that sh- wasn't even going to be in the tournament at like, two weeks even, ago. At like, the, they weren't yeah. even close to the tournament. <laughs> yeah. Like that that was yeah. probably one of the bigger upsets. Uh, you know, Davidson uh-huh. still got in, but they weren't yeah. even like they weren't even probably top three teams in, in the conference of getting in. Like yeah. that's that's how much of an upset that was. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. So I mean, they've had as friendly a path as possible to get to this point, and now they're running into Kansas. Yeah, and so this just I mean this 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 game sets up really nicely for Kansas. We've talked many times on this show uh, since we've been doing these tourney episodes just about how. When you're uncomfortable with a number, how just the end game can be a little bit unpredictable and a Kansas comfortable nine-point victory turns into a just as comfortable seven-point victory, six-point victory. And you're on the right side, but the number ultimately works against you because it is a little bit big. I think that I'll be I'll be stunned if Kansas loses this game. I'll be absolutely stunned if Kansas loses this game. So where I look at this game, Kansas on the money line right now is minus three fifty. I think about maybe trying to mix that in with some other bets I like. Maybe mix it in with um, with a UCLA money line because uh, we'll talk about that game in a second. But I am very strongly on UCLA. Uh, mix that in with the UCLA money line, and suddenly you're looking at uh, a, a a parlay that pays out a little bit plus about one plus one twenty plus one twenty five. Uh, depending on when you grab them. I think that's an interesting way to look at it. Kansas minus three and a half on the first half line. I, again, I think that Kansas just outclasses Providence and they just they, they jump out to a big lead uh, in this game. And so those are ways that you can get in on this game and get in on Kansas without them having to cover seven and a half for, for a full 40 minutes because I do think that could get a little dicey. But as you said, I mean, you, you laid out everything here. Like with, that, with the way Kansas is playing offensively and with Remy Martin unlocking this offense seemingly, with Ojai Abaji playing the way he's playing and I, like I mean Christian Christian Braun, Brown is such an interesting player and in what he brings to this Kansas offense and how he I mean he can shoot it he can ball handle it like there are so many movable parts on this team that I think that Providence's defense is going to have a lot of trouble keeping up with what Kansas does offensively and a team that it looks like they're playing pretty much the best basketball they've played all season right now so I really like Kansas in this spot. Seven and a half, a little dicey for me, but I think there are plenty of ways to get involved on Kansas in this game on Friday. Obviously a big spread difference here, but you said you'd be shocked if Kansas loses. Are you more shocked if Kansas loses or Purdue? Um, Purdue. <laughs> I, I, I know it's five-point difference in the spread, so it's a big difference. Yeah. There, but just interesting just because just, I, I feel like it's closer than yeah. like, you th- think in a way. like. Just because the matchup just is so poor for Providence, like you said, there's yeah. just so many options on this Kansas, and I do think they are they are playing their best basketball of the year. They've they've been great down the stretch, um, and and like you said, you didn't even mention uh, McCormick, <laughs> you know, <Yeah>. like, <laughs> who who is and their record when McCormick has played over the last two seasons is I- incredible. So, uh, yeah, I'm just not do not love this, do not like this matchup at all for yeah. the Friars. They'll very uphill battle for them. <clears throat> All right, let's move on to our next game here. Uh, maybe the game of the day. I think probably the game of the day. Uh, UCLA, North Carolina, minus two and a half for the Bruins. Obviously, two big blue bloods. Uh, anytime you put UCLA and North Carolina on basketball court together, you're going to have some fun storylines. Uh, North Carolina upsetting Baylor last round. UCLA trying to get back to the Final Four for the second straight year. So we have plenty of storylines in this one. UCLA minus two and a half, 141 and a half the total in this game. I've already given away my pick. I really like UCLA here. It's a bet I've got in at minus two and a half. What are you looking at with this matchup? Yeah, I'm pretty uh 
pretty neutral. Uh, I make this game about two and a half, make it one forty one on the total. So there's nothing, nothing really for me to to grab here. Great, kind of similar to Providence, Kansas. We didn't mention it, but they Kansas plays pretty fast. Providence plays pretty slow. Same thing in this game. North Carolina plays really fast. UCLA plays pretty slow. Uh, drastic style change there. But there's some interesting matchups. The turnovers. UCLA never turns the ball over. Like they, they're in my model, they're the best team in the country at turning the ball over. North Carolina does not turn you over on defense. Um, so that that's a that's a, there's no free possessions for North Carolina who likes to play fast. You know, you get out and, and, and try to run. UCLA is going to be able to avoid a lot of those in turnovers alone. Um, and then UCLA kind of offensive rebounds well, and North Carolina is great on the defensive glass. You know, I'm, I'm again, I'm pretty neutral on this game. UCLA is one of those teams that they love taking tough shots. They have good shot makers, so it, it works for them a lot of the time. We saw that last year in their Final Four run. Uh, they just – it's Johnny Juzang turned into like, you know, an NBA superstar for like yes. five games on, on in, in in their run, so not much of an opinion for me right on the market. It's just interesting on the just the styles of plays are so contrast. I'll let you go further into uh, why you're so so heavy on the uh, the Bruins here. <clears throat> I mean, I, what what it comes down to mostly for me is uh, the turnover part. What you what you brought up is the fact that like UCLA is going to get their possessions. They don't turn it over. North Carolina is not going to turn them over. They're going to get their possessions. UCLA is going to turn the ball over five times in this game. They are going to get their possession. They're going to get to shots in this game, and they're just they're an extremely efficient offensive team. And yeah. so I think that they can. I think that that's really where when when you're talking about. A, t- uh, a matchup like this, where uh, there are you know not a ton of edges, I think in a in a lot of spaces, I look to something where there can be one, and I think that's really where there can be one. The, the thing that's always going to scare you about North Carolina is, is when they're shooting the ball well from yeah. three, which they've been they've, they've been doing of late. They can really when they get hot, they can really do it. And Armando Bacot uh, has uh, been playing his best basketball uh, going back to you know the last couple of weeks of the regular season all the way through to the victory over Baylor last week. He's been playing really well. So that offense is that offense has been looking like what we thought it could be at the start of the season. Obviously it took a, a little time for them to get there. They're definitely a dangerous team, but I just think that with UCLA not really being in any sort of danger of giving away too many possessions, you add that with their offensive efficiency going up against a North Carolina team that yeah, like you said, I mean, they, they're a great defensive rebounding team. They're still 42nd in adjusted efficiency on defense, according to Ken Palm. So it's it's a it's definitely a, it's a good defensive team. It's not a great defensive team that's going to totally shut you down. I think ultimately the greatest strength of any of these teams, of either of these teams, anything you want to point to, is UCLA's offensive efficiency. And with a team that's not going to really force them to be uncomfortable on offense, I think that ultimately is going to push through over the course of a 40-minute game and get them a you know, four- or five-point victory. Yeah, I, I think this is, you said, the you know game of the day. This game should, could be awesome. Like, just yeah. kind of like punches back and forth. You know, North Carolina's got three guys that shoot close to 40% from three. Baycott's obviously a, a, a monster in himself. And then you, you just have like, like UCLA just spreads the ball around. Like anybody can beat you. Like they have like four guys that could go off and and kind of kind of score all the points and be the headliner. Um, but like you said, there, there's going to be no free possessions for North Carolina, and they don't need them. Like they haven't done it all year. It's just yeah. it's just a tough. And this is kind of why I think like UCLA has success here over the last two years. Obviously, Juzang went off last year, but like 
when you don't turn the ball over like like they do, like elite level, it's it's and they play slow too. Like there's not a lot yep. of extra possessions, but they can also on the flip side get kind of caught like they almost did against Akron in the first round, right? You're playing slow. If the shots aren't falling, you can run into problems, but they're efficient. The shots usually fall. And, you know, we're going to a North Carolina team that's not, like you said, not super great defensively. Honestly, I would argue that the reason that their defensive numbers are as high as they are is because they're such a good defensive rebounding team. Like, mm-hmm. you don't think of defensive rebounding as defense, but, like, it ends a possession. It's essentially right. the same as a, you know, turnover, a steal, a bl- like, a block technically doesn't even, you know, always end a possession. So, you know, if, if you say, like, yeah. can't find any success on the offensive glass, that, you know, I really think they they could run away with this. North Carolina has been a very up and down team. You know, like a month ago they lost to Pitt somehow. I don't know like how that happened, but they did. <laughs> yes. But they have been playing great. I, I think this game, this will be my probably my favorite like good game. I, I'm, uh-huh. I'm most looking forward to St. Peter's because I want the like I want one year to just like one of these teams to find a way like to the final four. <laughs> sure. I, I know we've had like what eleven seed make the final four. Like VCU was an eleven. Yeah, like that's that's about the, the final like, four. highest we've or. Uh, uh-huh. I can't remember what George Mason was that one year, um, but oh, maybe that. May, I, th- I think I'm thinking of Mason yeah. that they were in eleven. Yeah, VCU was not eleven. Same when part they of the country. It, I, I remember, but yeah. um, just want, like that. This this North Carolina UCLA game, like you said, blue blood. This would be like kind of close to what we're getting on Thursday for the for the Friday slate. It should be a great game, but I, I do subjectively lean with you with UCLA. I think there, there's more path to victory for the Bruins than, than the Tar Heels. <clears throat> the last thing that puts me over the top for UCLA in terms of laying the two and a half rather than taking the minus 145 on the money line is that the guys who handle the ball for this team all shoot uh, really really great from the free throw line. Yep. I, I mean, maybe I'm, maybe I'm extending it a little bit for Hawkes, but he's a 77% free throw shooter on 130 attempts this season. Tiger Campbell's at 84%. Jules Bernard's at 82. Juicing's at 83. Yeah. So th- this is a team that can absolutely, and like, it, like you're never, you're not really concerned. Like one of those guys, you, you inbound the ball, one of those guys is going to have the ball in his right. hands. One of those guys is going to end up getting fouled. So this is a team that can definitely extend a, a close game throughout, and then they can extend the lead at the end with the free throw. So that gives me the comfort to pay, to lay the two and a half to get minus 110, rather than just going after the money line and paying the minus 145 price to get it at that. Should be a great game between these two teams for sure, North Carolina and UCLA. Our last game of the day on Friday, our last tip-off of the Sweet 16, is our 10-11 matchup in the Sweet 16, Miami and Iowa State. This is another 2.5-point spread with Miami laying the 2.5, half the total on this game. Now, this is one that's an easy, easy stay away for me, but I know you've got an opinion on it, so let's hear it. Yeah, I... I... I don't love it. Um, it's it's when you're betting on a team. Like, Good start. <laughs> when you're betting on a team like Iowa State, things can get ugly really, really quick. Um, we saw this in their game against Wisconsin. They were winning late, and they didn't score for like it seemed like the last five minutes of that game, and they just held Wisconsin from without scoring for the last five minutes as well. So like this is that's what their team is. They're going to try to play. They don't play super slow. They play slow. But they play phenomenal defense, and they kind of have this, like, I'm not going to say they're built to have success in the tournament, but, you know, they have guys that can make shots. Like, and, and, and we, we talked about this, I think, yesterday or, or one of the episodes we've done, that, like, shot making is just so big. And this is kind of why UCLA, like I said, UCLA makes runs, too. Like, you just need a bucket at times. And they have guys mm-hmm. that can go out and get it. Like, Brockington is, is a guy that can that can go score and, and, and yeah. you know. Hunter, we saw him 
Yeah. He's had he's had a good tournament. It, it, it's just it, it's such Kalsher a, had a few huge buckets like that against Wisconsin. Yeah, it, it's just it's 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 a weird team because they're not efficient, but they have guys that could like, hey, like how many times do you hear on a broadcast? Hey, we need a bucket like they really need a bucket yeah. here. And it's like, well, some teams just don't have that guy. You know what I mean? Like they kind of have to run their offense a little bit and, and that's tougher at times. Um, but at, at matchup, I, I just don't think Miami likes to play this style. They play a little bit faster. I don't think the pace is going to be about average in this game, but somebody brought up a good point to me. Miami got beat by Virginia twice, slow games, hard defense. I know Virginia is not the prototypical defense they've been this year, but Miami has a, 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 you know, they're Wong and McGusty are their, their two, you know, go-to guys. You know, Miller's not bad either, but I think Iowa State can, can lock them down. Like if you lock down Miami's guards play, can they beat you? Like, I I, I don't know. No, I don't think they can. Yeah. I I don't think so. Like, I think that's easier from the standpoint of like, you know, Brockington, he's just big. Like he's not tall, but he's strong and he's a tougher guard, I should say, than, you know, like Wong 6'3. Like they're going to, they could have, they're going to have plenty of bodies to put on him. You know, McGusty is a tougher guard in my opinion, but there's just a lot of things going there, the Iowa State's way here. Um, <clears throat> the turnover battle will be interesting though, because Miami does not turn it over and Iowa State loves to turn you over. That's one of their best defensive, uh, uh, <clears throat> uh, metrics here, but yep. I just offensive rebounds. It's not going to happen for Miami, and and Iowa State's not a great defensive rebounding team. There's just not a lot of things that that I can warn here to get the minus two and a half. I make this game at a pick'em, uh, so I played Iowa State on the money line at, at plus one twenty. I know there's some plus one twenty fives out there as well. I like obviously like that even better, but I just I'm just not a huge fan of this Miami team. I'm not a huge fan of the Iowa State team either, but. This game just kind of seems like it should be a coin flip and mm-hmm. I, two contrasting styles, sure. But I just, I, I, I think Miami or Iowa State's defense is better than what Miami's offense is. And both, it's kind of funny. I said this both of the other sides of the ball for these teams are, are not good. Like Miami's defense is not good. Uh, Iowa State's offense is not good. Yeah. So it'll really be who steps up. And I, I think it'll be easier for Iowa State to score um, for against Miami's defense than, say, uh, Miami's defense stopping Iowa State. <clears throat> you know, I'll throw another game in there. Uh, you mentioned the two losses to Virginia. This team, this Miami team also lost to Dayton. And Dayton's another like defense-based, very yeah. slow-paced team. And so that's been a formula that has made that has made Miami uncomfortable this season. Lost a couple of games to Florida State, and it's not, you know, Florida State plays obviously a little faster, not a classic Leonard Hamilton team this season. Uh, but still, you know, when they've when they've had to go up against these teams that are calling card defense teams, we've seen some ugly games, some ugly offensive performances from Miami. So that is the direction it, I would lean as well. It's interesting too, because Miami, like they're they're four of twenty-nine in the tournament from three. Like that that they're they're not like a great three point shooting team by any means, but like you don't think of a uh you know a ten seed making a run going four of twenty nine from three right like right. going through uh you know a defensive t- minded team against USC like USC wins that game if they don't I think they had like eighteen turnovers or something like that to like Miami's three like I just I think this matchup just bodes well for Iowa State there's more past the victory because I think they'll be able to score. Like, I really don't like teams that can't get stops. Um, like, this, the, the tournament, it's just so much about, like, can you score a basket? Like, I, I know that's such a simple way of putting it, because that's the obviously the point of basketball. But, like, <laughs> Loyola Chicago against Ohio State is a perfect example. Sure. Ohio State, good offense, 
was held to 53 points. Like, if you would have told me, I bet Loyola in that game, if you would have told me that Ohio State scored 53 points, I would have said, yeah, like, Loyola yeah. wins. Like, you know, <laughs> like, for sure. Like, that's a that's a dream. They just literally couldn't make a shot. Williamson was terrible. That's kind of like what I, I see with if you don't have a good defense, Iowa State's going to be able to score a little bit. Like, Wisconsin has a much better defense than, than Miami's here. I'm not worried that, like, oh, Iowa State couldn't score down the stretch against Wisconsin. Like, well, Wisconsin's in a different class on defense than Miami. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I just – I think there's more paths to victory. Uh, I'm on the Cyclones. Plus 120, there's some uh, – we've had a little bit of movement. There might be some plus 125s out there, but uh, I, I like them at, at the plus money here. Probably would play it to about plus 110, I think, is about uh, where my cutoff would be. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, you, you look at what Iowa State's done in the tournament on defense, holding LSU to 54 points, holding Wisconsin to 49 points. Wisconsin, 0.71 points per possession. In that game, LSU was at 0.86 points per possession. I mean, it all points to, and just the way Miami's played, it really does point to uh, another Iowa State defensive showcase being the thing that drives this game. I, I will say the, the whistle is going to be another one to watch oh, yeah. in this one, right? Wisconsin shot 25 free throws in that game. Wisconsin was in the double bonus in the first half with like 11 minutes left. <laughs> that game, I mean, if it, Wisconsin shot their, their free throws relatively well, especially for a team that's not a great free throw shooting team, uh, made 19 out of 25. In that game, they're they're nowhere close without without uh, drawing as many fouls as they did in that they one. They scored so maybe 30 Miami... points when you take away yeah. free throws. Like if you just yeah, want to put points. it, I, obviously two for twenty two from three is going to kill you there. But uh-huh. like even twelve for twenty five from two is not not great. And I I don't I don't see Wisconsin as like a team that takes a lot of tough shots. Like mm-hmm. I think they were just forced into some tougher shots more so than. Yeah. You know, like UCLA might take some tough shots and just miss. Like that's that's kind of their offense profile. Wisconsin's not as much that. Like they're gonna try to get like to their what what their sets are driven for good shots, and, and they just they just couldn't do it. it was, it's Could pretty not impressive. Do it. Could not do it. And you can say, you know, you lose Chucky Hepburn in the game. Jordan or Johnny Davis clearly not at 100%. So there were some things working against Wisconsin's offense. But even with that, I mean, they were just they were they were. Yeah, they were totally stifled by Iowa State's defense, yeah. and you know Miami has uh, a better cast of players, but they don't have a singular player uh, like Wisconsin does in Johnny Davis. So I think we could see something similar play out in this game again. No play for me. I would lean Iowa State. You were on Iowa State at the plus one twenty, playing it up to plus one ten, and that will do it for this episode of Best on the Board. So we're talking all the way through the Sweet Sixteen in our last couple of episodes, and we'll have one more for you. This week, uh, we'll, we'll take the opportunity on Friday. We will have the Saturday Elite Eight game set. So we'll circle back with you on Friday and talk about those two Saturday Elite Eight games. So be sure to be here with us for that. For Austin Mock, I am Michael Beller. Thanks so much for listening. Good luck, happy betting, and we'll talk to you soon.